It's Wednesday night, and I'm going to continue on a subject I started last week. There's been a, a, a phrase that's been used on the TV and on the Internet, and people don't have any idea what it means. It has to do with this investigation of uh, uh, President Trump over some compromise he's supposed to be doing with the Ukraine. And the phrase I'm talking about is a Latin phrase. It is quid pro quo. Q-U-I-D. Quo. Pro. Quo. Now, be honest with me. Before you heard me teach on this, has anybody been familiar with that phrase? You heard of it, no. All right. Quid pro quo is a Latin word. You can look it up in your dictionary. And it will tell you that something for something is what it means. Something for something. It means to exchange information or spying or money for money, whatever. It means one thing in return for another, something equivalent or a substitute. Well, that's what they're accusing. I'm not a Donald Trump fan. I don't, I'm not for any politicians. I am not a Democrat. I am not a Republican. For some reason, people think you have to be one or the other. People came up with the idea that you have to be a Republican or Democrat, and there's nothing else but that. But the way I look at it, the Republican is a king cobra, and the Democrat is a black mamba. And if either one of you call it better than either one of them, they'll bite you and you'll die. There's something on the other end of the universe besides Democrats and Republicans. It's called truth. I don't know why people think these guys are the only ones that come up with truth, something that was right. They're not. I'm talking about God is not a quid pro quo God. God doesn't give you something when you give him something. Now, this is the doctrine of the charismatics. People say, how do they cheat people? They tell people. They don't just want your 10% tithe. They say every dollar you give above that, God has to return it to you a hundredfold. In other words, if you can go, if you can start giving 25 or 30%, and there's a lot of people that do that. There's a man here in town. He was convinced by the Devil's Broadcasting Network, DBN, up the street here. He was convinced to give his house, to give his car, and everything he owned. And he kept calling his daughter, who lived up in Michigan, and she came down here. She told some people we knew that he kept calling her and said, i got to have help. you got to come help me. Well, she came down here and found out that they had talked him out of everything up here at the Devil's Broadcasting Network, DBN. And took all of his money. I got more than one story about that. 
And they were telling him, the more you give, the more you get back from God. Well, there's a verse over here. I'm going to go back to it, and I'm going to say some things about it. And may even repeat some things I said last week. I believe this is something that needs to be emphasized here in Romans 11. And I'm going to put part of a verse on here. And uh, this goes with what they're saying. Verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? Now the word counselor, sumbulos, S-U-M-B-O-U-L-O-S. B-O-U-L-O-S. There are two words in the Greek for will. W-I-L-L. And they've got many words that are related to that. You have the word boule, B-O-U-L-E. You have the word boulemai, B-O-U-L-E-M-A-I. And you have B-O-U-L-O-S. And this is a form of this right here. When the Bible says that we are born of God by the counsel of God. When the scripture says in James 1.18, of his own will beget he us. Will is the word boule. It's a form of this boulos. It means purpose. Now here's the whole point. Sum, every time you find it, on the front of a word as a prefix, it always means, or you'll find su, sug, soon. They're all forms of this word sum. Sug, su, su. It means with or fellowship. Now, symbole means when it says uh, who hath been his counselor did God call you to come and help him make decisions or make his purpose known does he need you and I to do that absolutely not he doesn't need us to tell him anything he didn't say well, what do you think about this, Dave? What do you think we ought to do? Should we send these people to hell or not? They never have had a chance. <laughs> no, God doesn't work that way. He sends people to hell that he wants to send to hell, and it is will to, his will from eternity to send these vessels of wrath fitted to destruction for hell forever. Now, let's read the next verse. So he doesn't need you to counsel with him. I've got a paper. I don't know if I can go through it. Words are not as hard as what you think in the Greek. You got to put together the. You got to put together, the prefixes like sum. Sum is a word that's put on the front of words instead of putting fellowship on the front of a word. Fellowship. Or communion, or partaker. 
all of these words are the word, when you look them up, they're the word, uh, they're the word meaning to fellowship with, have communion with. It'll be one of these words here. Well, instead of putting, they are the word K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Instead of putting koinonia, which is the word fellowship, communion, or partaker, they put this little prefix on the front of a word to make it easier for you to understand what it's talking about. So anytime you see one of these prefixes, it has the idea of koinonia. But they don't want to write K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, boulos, B-O-U-L-O-S. Instead of writing koinonia boulos, they write sug or sum boulos. It has the same meaning, and it means to blend together like this, to mesh together like gears in a car. So when we are in fellowship, you have the word meta, and that just means with. People try to translate sum into with, but it's more than just with. It means we walk with Christ and we're blended with him in life. And you've got, I'll give you a couple of these words. You could, it makes things easier to understand. Let me see what I need to give you here. Sum, let me write these down, just give you a few of them. Sum, B-A-S-I-L-E-U-O. Sumbacilio. That means co-regent. Remember a co-regent? Co-regent. It means a ruler with Christ. And the kingdom of God is in us because you got Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you're ruling in the world with a scepter of righteousness, that word righteousness, Hebrews 1 and 8, is not the common word righteousness. You have to look these words up. That word is euthetos, E-U-T-H-E-T-O-S. Euthetos is the word that's translated righteousness. The common word for righteousness is D-I-K. A-I-O-S-U-N-E, which is comes from the word D-K, meaning right. What is righteous, what is righteous. This word means a U tithemai. U means well, and tithemai means to bow or to level self. To level self is a well leveling. And when you bow to the will of God publicly in front of people, you tell them some truth about Christmas being pagan, predestination is true. You're bound to the will of God and that rules them. I've had people turn around and walk away from me when I start telling them they don't want to be ruled by the word of God. Now, you got the words sumbulos means an advisor. Are you God's advisor? That's that word there in Romans 11. You're his advisor. 
That's this word, symbolos. Does God need your advice on what he needs to do? No. And then you've got sum fumai, S-U-M-P-H-E-M-I, sum, P-H-E-M-I. Some of you might remember when I've defined fumai. It comes from the word P-H-E-M-E, which is our word fame. Fame. So this word means to speak well with God or to say jointly, to say something with another. So we uh, we speak with Christ when we confess, confess, homologeo, means of the same word. So confess would have basically the same meaning as sumphene because we're going to speak with Christ. Now you also got I'll just read some of these out to you. It's hard to you have sum pasco. You remember pasco? Pasco means to suffer. It means to suffer sum with or to have it means to be care about somebody else or it means to sympathize with them sympathize is sum pathos sum p-a-t-h-o-s it means pathology is a is a medical term for for suffering a pathologist is a doctor of suffering diseases so sympathos would be to suffer with someone else it's not as hard when you learn i'll just read some of these out to you sum uh uh lambano lambano means to take hold of you remember that so that would be take hold of with. You got sum baino. Baino means to walk. It means to walk with. So we walk with Christ. Sum. B-A-I-N-O. Baino means to walk. Sum means to with. And when Paul said, I am crucified with Christ, I hadn't looked the word up, but it probably is something like Sum sterao. Sterao is the word crucify. And you have the word sum balo. Remember, balo, we get our word ball from that. So it would be either to cast with or to converse, cast your voice with somebody else's. Sum biadzo, you got. Sum martyreo, you remember that? Martyreo, you remember, remember that word? M-A-R-T-U-R-E-O. Sum martyreo means to be martyred with. Remember, martyreo comes from martus, and that is the word witness. 
to be witness with someone else. That's what that would have the idea of being. You kind of, if you can get a hold of, just take your concordance and look at a lot of the words. This whole page is covered with sums. And if you know the second word, here's sum peri lambano. Does anybody remember what peri means? Around. Sum peri lambano. It means to earnestly throw the arms about somebody. Perry is around. Soon would be to take hold of around together with somebody else. See, these words are not as hard as what you think. If you learn the prefixes and how the words are constructed, it makes it easier to understand the Greek. Soon Pasco. You remember Soon Phoneo? Symphony. Symphony. S-U-M-P-H-O-N-E-O S-U-M-P-H-O-N-E-O Do you remember a word in the Bible that that's talking about? 2 Corinthians, the 6th chapter. What concord symphoneo, symphony has Christ with Bilal. There's a discord there when you run with other people. I was talking to everybody, about four of the men up here before we started. I thought I was alone in life when I was a kid. My mother would tell you, Jimmy plays by himself. I didn't want to bother anybody. So I'd knock the ball down at the other end of the field. I'd go down there and knock it back. I didn't want to bother people. And I would play by myself, get out there in the cars in the dirt, and whatever I did was alone. I was alone in high school. I thought, what is wrong with me? I can't get along with anybody. I couldn't get along with my paper route manager. I couldn't get along with the guy I worked for in high school at C.P. Evans Food Store in Beaumont when I was a sacker. I thought all you have to do is be honest with people. I thought that's all you have to do. That ain't all you have to do. You got to play the game. And so this one guy was a sacker, and I never paid any attention to the facts. I knew he was the boss's pet, but he was always telling all the other sackers what to do. So I went to the boss one day and I said, You got to tell this guy. They could tell us what to do. We're working hard. He said, well, you're fired. <laughs> I think it's funny now, because all that did was show I was being real blunt and real plain. This guy won't leave us alone so we can work. And I always worked hard. I didn't need to be told. And so he fired me. And I never could get along with the preachers. I tried to talk to them. It was like, it was crazy. And I found out that most of God's elect people can't get along with the world. Haven't most of you had that same problem? You didn't know what it was? It was that you were elect and the people you were hanging around were not elect. And 
what concord, what symphony. See, you got to have when you play piano, you got to have a one, three, and five note to have a chord, and it and it blends. But you can't have a one, two, and five note. Do would be the first, would be the one. Do re mi would be the third. And you'd have to have to in order to have a chord that doesn't discord. We don't. We cannot sympathize with the world. We don't have any symphony with them. We don't blend, do we? So if you're wondering why you never got along, that's why. You wasn't supposed to. People that have left here, they would leave because they had too much outer man overcoming their life and they didn't know what to do about it. So they used that outer man to get mad, make excuses and say something about me or Mary or the church and leave. But usually when they leave and go out there in the world, they can't find anybody to get along with. And I believe a lot of people have left here that are believers and they don't know what to do once they leave. Now, let's go to the next verse. Or who hath first given, who hath first given, first given is the word prodidomai, P-R-O-D-I-D-O-M-A-I, P-R-O-D-I-D-O-M-A-I. Prodidomai, didomai means to give, to give, and what is pro? Huh? What does pro mean? I've said it a thousand times. Pro horizo. What word is that? What? Or or towards. No, that's pros. <laughs> Pros means for or toward. Prosukumai. That's the word prayer. Prosukumai means to will towards the will of another. What is pro? Before. 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 <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so who hath given before another person has given, like the charismatics say, if you give all you've got and you give... 25 or 30 percent of your income God is obligated to give you back a hundred times that and this is who hath first given to God and it shall be recompensed at apo didomai at apo apo D-I-D-O-M-A-I. Antipo, anti, means instead of or in opposition to. Apo is a removal. And didomai means to give. Antipo didomai means to repay. Who hath first given to God and he's got to repay you again for it. That's what they tell you. And that's how they get lots of money from their P 
people, and that's how Kenneth Copeland brings in $170, $80 million a year, and people are giving away every nickel they've got. God is not a, is not a quid pro quo God. You can't give to him, and the next verse tells you why. For of him, and through him, and to him are all things. He owns everything. You can't give to him to get. You can give, and God will bless you and your giving, but he ain't going to give you a hundred times back. Now, let me show you something here. I've got some verses I want you to look at with me. Look over here. In Now, this will tell you. And the verse, this goes with what they, this is a part of my, I got all kinds of pro, pro perilambano, pro penig, sum penigo, sum penigo means to strangle. That's, the riches of this world choke the word. Penigo, sum penigo, means to strangle completely there in Matthew, the 13th chapter. It's talking about the parable of the sower. Choke means the thing that will choke people is the riches of this world chokes men. I'll keep saying this. The thing that's wrong with America is they got too much money. That's what's wrong with this. If you get to a place where you're able to make good money, not only should you tithe, but you should give to the poor. But when you can't afford that, you shouldn't do it. Now, God doesn't give you the ability to make money just for your own glory. Now, go over here to Luke. Now, I've already given you this, but I want to give it to you again. All right, not Luke. Mark. What am I thinking of? I'll get it in a minute. Go to uh, Mark 10. And this is what the charismatics will say. Here's what they do with this. There's a rich young ruler then here. And he comes to Jesus. And he says, good master. Let's read verse 17. When he was going forth in the way, there came one running to Jesus and kneeled to him and asked, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? You'll see this in Matthew 19 and 16 and Luke 18 and 18. You get the same question. What they say, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he's rich. And Jesus said unto him, Why are you calling me good? There's none good but one, that is God. Jesus knew he wasn't really fooling, believing that he was God. So he said, if I am good, everyone in the first century knew that Caesar, Augustus Caesar, was called 
the good God. That's what they called Augustus Caesar. And if you found, if you were found calling anybody else God but Caesar, that was a death penalty. It was a capital offense. You could die for that. Jesus said, you really calling me good? If that's true, I'm God. I'm not Caesar, but I am God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and thy mother. Now, in the Ten Commandments in Exodus... In Exodus, the 20th chapter, the first four commandments are about loving God. The second six are about loving your neighbor. And the Bible says over and over again, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you love your neighbor, you're going to keep God's commandments. And you'll keep the second six, will fulfill all of it. That's over there in Galatians 5.14. All the law is fulfilled in one word. Thou shalt agape thy neighbor. Agape is walking in the commandments of God, Second John 6. This is love, this is agape, that we walk after his commandments. There's only one thing there. When Jesus gives him what he did, he gave him the second six minus one. He gave him five of the commandments that had to do with loving his neighbor. What did he leave out? Covet. Huh? Covet. That's right. The man was very rich. He left out wanting more, pleonectes. In the Greek, he left out, thou shalt not want more any way you can get it. To want more. Now, why would God reprimand somebody for wanting more than they've got when they're not content with such things as they have? Because he, had, he lacked one thing. He didn't tell him. Uh, he didn't em- emphasize any of the other commandments. Here's what he told him. And he answered and said unto Jesus, Master, all these have I observed from my youth, all the five that you've given to me. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. He had to be a believer somewhere in his life. He agape him. Agapao is the verb form, A-G-A-P-E-O. Jesus does not love everybody. If he loves someone, he scourges every one of his children that he loves. So this man needs a scourging. This right here proves that he was an eternal believer Jesus doesn't love everybody behold how he loved him and said unto him 
you got one problem in your life. Every one of us have somewhere, like Hebrews 12 and 1 says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. If you got a sin in your life that's besetting, pray, Lord, help me get rid of that and overcome that. Sell whatsoever thou hast and give to the poor because you are very greedy. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up your cross and follow. Akulatheo. Be in the same way with and it's narrow. It's a narrow way. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved. For he had great possessions. But the Bible says Jesus loved him. This is not the end of his story. The end of his story is not written in the Bible. But Jesus has to scourge him and cause him to come to him and be obedient somewhere later in his life. Some people think, some scholars believe, this rich young ruler was one of the earlier followers of Christ. Perhaps it was the same as John 3 when Jesus, uh, when the Pharisee come to Jesus and said, how can I know nothing, all these things that you do, you couldn't do except you were God. And then he says these famous words, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. How difficult is it? The Bible says in 1 Peter 4 and 18, if the righteous scarcely be saved, that word scarcely is the word mogus. It comes from the word molis. It means with great difficulty. Now these charismatics say it's easy to be saved. You just pray this prayer. And the Bible says you can't pray a prayer and be saved. God heareth not sinners. If any man be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. And the disciples were, this word hardly is the word duskalos, D-U-S-K-A-L-O-S, D-U-S-K-O-L-O-S. Duskalos has the same meaning as mogus or molus. It means with difficulty. God makes it hard on us to bear our cross. How hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith, Children, how hard is it for those that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. That's why Luke, the sixth chapter, verse 26 says, Woe to you that are rich. The charismatics say, God wants you to be rich. The Bible says, You're in trouble if you're rich. Woe to you that are rich. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved if it's hard for rich men to go? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With man it is impossible. 
but not with God, for with God all things are possible. It's possible for me to rip that man's platform out from under him, take all his money away, and make him bow to me, which I'm sure he did, because he loved him. Whom the Lord loves, he scourges and chastens, so we can be partaker of his holiness. Scourge is a bloody beating. Mastagao is the word. Oh, there in Hebrews 12. Mastagao. The mastics, when you were beaten with the mastagao, it was a mastics, a whip with, with pieces of glass and bone and metal, and they would beat a man with that, and it was a bloody whipping. And then he says, Now the charismatics just ignore all of this that God is saying about the riches. And they go to these next verses and say, See, God wants you to give a hundredfold. He wants you to have everything you want. No, he doesn't. If you got riches, remember over there in Luke or in Matthew thirteen, riches choke the word. Sumpanigo. This is that. Look, sum to strangle thoroughly. Look over at Matthew thirteen. These charismatics say God will want everybody rich. They're ignoring these things about what God says about riches. They'll drag you away from the truth. All right. 13. Hear therefore the parable of the sower in verse 18. When any man heareth the word of the kingdom... And understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside, and it didn't take root. And Jesus is the root out of dry ground. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon, eventually, with joy, he really receives it. We've had a lot of people come here with this attitude. I really like predestination. I like the Christmas message. But after their family gives them what for for about two or three years, they quit. Yet hath he not root in himself. Matthew, the 15th chapter, not Matthew, John, the 15th chapter that first few verses is Jesus is the root of the dry ground. They have no Jesus. But dureth for a while. And when tribulation, philipsis, the noun form of thalibo, which is the word narrow is the way, when tribulation or persecution ariseth because of the word of God, they are tripped up and offended. They don't like to be offended. That word offended is the word scandalizo. S-K-A-N-D-A-L-I-Z-O. I don't know how long I'll be on this type of message where I'm talking about 
the charismatics. I got so many things to say on them. This, they're offended, scandalizo. The Bible says, Woe unto a man that offends one of these little sheep. It's better that a stone was hung around his neck and cast into the sea before he offends one of the little sheep there in Matthew, the 18th chapter. The Bible says we're not to offend. This word offend, a scandal on, was a little trap stick. It was also called a pogus. They're the same thing. A pogus is equal to a scandal on. Pogus means a little sapling. That was, there was a noose tied in it. And it would trap the little rabbit coming along or the sheep and yank the, the leg and trip it up, make it stumble, maybe even break its leg. God says it's better that you had a stone hung around your neck and you're cast into the sea than to offend one of these little ones there in Matthew 18. It's basically the same thing he said when he said in Exodus 22. He said, if you offend the widow and the orphan and they cry unto me, I'll hear their cry. I'll kill you with a sword if they cry unto me. And that's an indictment against the charismatics. So that's the scandal on. Now let's go back to what we were reading. Where was where was I? Mark. Are you going back to Mark? You're in Matthew now. Are you going back to Mark? Uh, no, I want to stay. I got to stay over here in in uh, Matthew 13. And then I'll go back to Mark. He also that received seed among thorns. Is he that heareth the word? Now, I want to straighten some scholars out on this. He heareth the word, and the care of this world, and the deceitful of money, riches, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Choke. Sum penigo. Penigo means to choke. Sumpanego means to strangle completely. Now let me ask you something. Is this talking about a shrub or something that has never taken root? Can you just look at that and tell me, is it talking about seed that has never started growing? No. No. It's talking about a fruit tree that is growing and something causes it to quit bearing fruit. In other words, what's going to have to happen is the is the husbandman, a husbandman was a groundskeeper. He's going to have to come husband is the word Georgios. G-E-G-E-O-R-G-O-S. Georgios. It means a tiller. This is the word husband. Ergon, it comes from ergon, which is soil, and gay, 
Gay is the word soil. Ergon means to work in the soil. It means a tiller of the soil. It's our word, G-E-O-R-G. It's our word, George. If you name, name somebody George, he is a tiller of the soil. That's a honorable word husband so the husband man the husband man has to come and cut this has to be a believer here because you don't cut the tree down you till the vine you you for at least five years you fertilize the vine you trim the dead limbs off of it and throw them into the fire and then, if you've got a good husbandman, he will cause it to bear fruit. So this has to be a believer. Has to be. Because it's not just a seed that fell among, that fell among uh, stones. and It's not just a seed. It's a, it's a fruit tree. But it's not bearing fruit. And he that receiveth seed into the ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit. That that second one that we just talked about that was choked, that's like being a baby believer. And this is a mature believer here. And understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. That takes us back over here to Mark the 10th chapter. Now we're going to go to verse 28. I'm explaining to you what this means. It's not what the goofy charismatics say. Because they're goofy. They have no idea. The Bible has much to say about those people that want to con the poor people. What the charismatics are preying upon, Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price, Creflo Dollar, all the rest of those bird brains. What they're doing is they're preying upon the poor. The poor that don't have any way to live are waiting for some miracle in their life and they get sucked in by those guys and they take advantage of them by taking these verses. It takes a while to explain what the Bible has to say about riches. The Bible says we are rich in faith. That's death to self. I don't need that whole thing. (laughs) Thank you, Victor. You're funny. (laughs) It is funny. Now, where was I? Okay. Now, let's let's look here in verse 28. And Peter began to say unto Jesus... Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now, the Charismatics will talk about Peter having ships. Ships. The Bible speaks of he had ships. He didn't have something like the Queen Mary on the Sea of Galilee. It would have stretched all the way across the sea. The Sea of Galilee. Let me get a picture of the Sea of Galilee. 
here's the Sea of Galilee right here. Can't you picture the Queen Mary running around across that? Ship just means a boat. And Peter said, we've left all. And John Avanzini is a wacky guy. It's crazy. He's pastor of a big charismatic church in Fort Worth. He said, Peter had a fleet of ships. You dodo, it means boats. He didn't have a fleet. He left his... Being a fisherman was the poorest thing you could be in the first century. They really had a hard time. Besides that, there wasn't many rich people except cheaters and liars like the Pharisees in the first century. They had men who collected money for Rome. They were the most hated and despised men there were, but they were Jews. And Zacchaeus was one of these money collectors. Now, let me go ahead and read into this. And Jesus answered Peter when he said, You've left all. Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels. Remember, the gospel is a blood baptism in Luke 3 and 3. The gospel is prepare you the way in Luke 3 and 3, and it's prepare you the way in Mark 1, verse 1 and 2. And the way is narrow. That he shall receive an hundredfold, and they stop right there. See, if you give us all your money, God's got to give you back a hundred times as much as you give. So what you need to learn to do is give half of what you own and half of everything you got. That's what the charismatics tell people. They get on the phone with them. Have you ever seen them on the phone on those charismatic shows? They will say, if you don't have any money, what you need to do is give everything you've got and leave your estate to us. And they ask for their estates, and TVN has got a lot of people giving their entire estate to them. They're thieves and liars and crooks. And shall receive a hundredfold. Now this time, houses and brethren. See, you're going to have a bunch of rental houses. That's not what it's talking about. (laughs) Who is the house of God? Christ is the son of his own house. Whose house are we? And houses and brethren and sisters now if this is if this is talking about a hundred times as much money as you give so you're going to have to your mother's going to have to get pregnant a hundred more times and give you a hundred sisters and she's got to get pregnant if it's literal it's talking about it will be talking about a hundred brothers and a hundred mothers you're going to have to go adopt a bunch of other mothers you understand that this is talking about spiritual brothers and sisters and children, and lands. Who owns everything? Are we to share what we have with others? 
That's right. We are. We live in a nation that doesn't believe in sharing. I believe in sharing whatever comes in. And I have to be very careful with people when I give to them because some people just stand with their hand out all the time. They don't do anything about their life. And you'll get all of these with persecutions. Well, we don't like that. And in the world to come, eternal life. Now, who is our mother and our brother and our sisters? Go back to Mark. Mark, the third chapter. This is your mothers and your brothers and your sisters. Mark, the third chapter. There came then his brethren and his mother. He's talking about his literal brother and his literal mother. Verse 31. And they were standing outside the house where Jesus was. And sent unto him calling him. And the multitude sat about him. And they said unto him, Behold, your mother and your brethren are outside. And they seek for thee. And he answered them, saying, Who is my mother and my brethren? And he looked around about them which sat about him and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of God, the same is my mother, my brother, and my sister, and my mother. That's, that's how we get a hundredfold and if you need a place to stay and I've got a place for you to stay, I should be willing for you to stay. That's how we get a hundredfold everything. Now go over here to Galatians, the fourth chapter. The church is everybody that has been called of God, the predestinated elect family, right? The church? Well... The church is Jerusalem, and that's our mother. So you can't separate these verses one from another. Galatians, that fourth chapter. So we're talking about, when they're talking about lands, you get lands and houses, they leave out the mothers and the brothers and sisters if the if the lands and the houses and are literal, so are the mothers and the brothers and the sisters. That's what I'm getting at. They're spiritual mothers, brothers and sisters. And over here in Galatians, the fourth chapter, the Bible says, I'll just read one verse here. Verse 26, Jerusalem, which is above is free, which is the mother of all of us. It's the mother of us all. And looking over at Hebrews, that's Jerusalem. And it's talking about heavenly Jerusalem. Go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Hebrews. So when they talk about getting a hundredfold lands and houses, they don't have any idea that that's spiritual. And we are to share with one another. Here in Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 22, But ye are come unto Mount Zion, 
unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of messengers of God, angel means messenger, to the general assembly and church. And we have been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that we be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn receives the inheritance and that's us. So we're the church. We're heavenly Jerusalem. And heavenly Jerusalem is everyone that is God's elect for all time. That's all our brothers and sisters. And it's not literal, it's spiritual. So when these guys come up and start saying, well, you get all this. They're ignorant. Kenneth Copeland, I don't know if you've ever listened to him. He's dumb. Just stupid things he says. They don't go into the Bible and see what these things mean. Now, let me see if I can finish up another one of their doctrines. Let's go over here to Romans 10. They have what they call the word of faith. They say you can say anything you want to say. This is called positive confession. Say what you want to say, and if you'll say it positive, you'll get it. If it comes out of your mouth, it'll be yours. You can say, town car, town car, I get a town car, I get a Cadillac, I get a Mercedes, and that it'll come to pass in your life, and that's called positive confession. The funny thing is, when Kenneth Copeland says that, the only body he gets something from is Jesse Duplantis or one of those other preachers. One of them gives one man an airplane and he gives another guy a fleet of trucks and he gives another guy uh, whatever, a big, huge diamond ring, and they just pass it around among their among their circle. But it's never the poor people that come out. Besides that, God doesn't want you to be rich. Now, look here in Romans 10. This is another one of their doctrines, and I'm not through this talking about calling things that be not. Something that was not was dead. When the Bible keeps talking about someone that was not, it's talking about someone died and they were dead. It's talking about the womb of Sarah and the loins of Abraham, Abraham considered not his own body now dead, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. And he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He did not not believe God. He believed God. And said, you're going to have a son. You're 99 years old. Sarah's going to start ovulating again. She's going to have some some eggs. And you're going to come together and you will have a son. That was resurrection. Isaac was raised from the dead loins of his father, the dead womb of his mother. And that's calling things that be not. Now, over here, the guy that loved word of faith, I'm going to read one verse. I'm going to go back previously to that and show you what it's actually saying. Now, look at verse 8. What saith it? What saith what? He's talking about an it. It is a pronoun, 
And it is talking about something prior to that. It's talking about righteousness speaks in verse 6. Well, if righteousness speaks, what does it say? But what saith righteousness? Let's put righteousness instead of it. Because it is a pronoun referring back to something previously said. What it's referring back to is righteousness talking. What does righteousness say? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. How can God's word be in your heart? Because God put it there. He writes upon fleshy tables of our hearts there in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, doesn't he? He says the same thing, writing upon our hearts in Hebrews, the eighth chapter, Hebrews, the tenth chapter. He said it over and over again. So if he writes in our hearts in the twelfth chapter of Matthew, the Bible says, out of the abundance of heart, the mouth speaks. So the word of faith is going to be you talking to God out of your heart. But you can't be disagreeing with him. To confess means to agree with. Let me read that over again. What does the word of faith say? Or what does righteousness say? Word is nigh thee in thy mouth because I put it in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if... The word of faith is verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth. Confess. Homologeo. Of the same homo. Or homu. M-O-U. Which is our word homo. A homosexual is of the same sex. Hetero and homo are Greek words. Hetero, glossa, means other foreign languages. There in Acts 2, H-E-T-E-R-O. Hetero, glossa, means other foreign languages. Homo, logos, or logos, however you want to pronounce it. Logos means of the same word or to agree with. So what's in your heart will come out your mouth. And self is not in your heart. God, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's not, that's a lie. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, this is the word of faith. And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. What's in your heart's coming out of your mouth. But how did it get in your heart? God wrote it there. Hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the mouth, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, but you only believe it with your heart because God wrote it there. You can't conjure up faith in your heart. God has to put it there. There's none that seeketh after God. Therefore, what he does in you is what he wants to perform in you. It is God that works in you to will and to do of his good pleasure in Philippians 2.13. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. Now, let's 
Go back up to the earlier part of this chapter. Look at verse 5. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is going to speak later in this chapter, which is of the law, that man which doeth these things should live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Where does it speak from? From your mouth, because it's written in your heart. It was written in your heart by God because you're one of God's elect. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. You don't have to go into heaven and bring him down. He's in your heart, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's in you. You have to go somewhere and find him. Or who shall descend into the deep to bring Christ up again from the dead? And what saith it? This is written, all written in the 30th chapter of Deuteronomy. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach, that if you confess with your mouth, that's the word of faith. It's not Cadillac, come on, Cadillac, I get a Cadillac. That stupid Bob Tilton, he used to get on and talk about the word of faith all the time. And then he'd speak in tongues a little bit. Just goofy. He was a con man. Bob Tilton was so bad, even TBN wouldn't let him on up here. <laughs> That's being bad. Such a con man. Was he in Dallas when you were down there? Yeah, they had a big billboard on 635 Freeway at the end of it. Big old billboard. He is a crook. He was so obvious that they didn't like him on TVN, so he never appeared on there. <laughs> I think that's funny because they're slicker than he is. He was a con, and you could see it 10 miles away in the dark. And they wouldn't no doubt that he was a crook. All right. Now, what I want to do, I want to go back. This is spoken of in Deuteronomy 30. Look at Deuteronomy 30. Now, I got I to gotta explain something to you. I, I keep explaining it. Deuteronomy is right before the children of Israel are going to go into the promised land. And God has killed off all of the, the military-aged people because they murmured against God. They said we can't go up into we can't go up into the land of of the Anak, Anak or the Anakims. We can't go there because and that was in this area here. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. And here is that's the Gaza Strip, but that's also the southwestern border of Israel is also the land of Anak or the land of the Philistines. Or it is the Gaza Strip. Now, so God says, because you didn't go up here and conquer the Anakims, I want to make you one of the wilderness for 40 years. And when I get ready to bring you back, I'm going to bring you up to the Jordan River, right above the Dead Sea. Here's the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River connects the Dead Sea to Galilee. So I'm going to bring you here. He tells Moses, you can't cross the river. I'm not going to allow you to go on the land. I'll, you can go up on Mount Pisgah. 
and you can view the land, but you don't get to go. And Moses cried to the Lord and pled with him. He said, no, I don't hear you say that anymore. Simply because he struck the rock twice and didn't speak to it. So they come up and they're going to cross the river there right above the Dead Sea and go in and take the land. So by this time, by Deuteronomy 30, everybody in Israel is believers. They may not be mature believers, but all the men that were soldier age, they were killed off in 40 years in the wilderness, a year for every day they spent up here in the land of Anak. I ought to give you a better picture of that. Get a picture of... Here's the Gaza Strip right there. That would be the same thing as uh, same thing as the land of the Philistines. Let me see here. I need a better picture of the Gaza Strip on here. The land of Anak, the land of because I'm always talking about it. Well, I'll get it in a minute. They came up here to Kadesh. Kadesh Barnea. God told them to conquer the land. They murmured against God, the soldiers that went up there. So God says, I'm going to kill all them off for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. A day for a year that they were up there. Now, you always have to know that when you get to Deuteronomy. Because you don't have the the hellishness that you had in Numbers where they were all fighting God. So when you get to Deuteronomy, all of them are basically believers. They're just about ready to cross the border, especially in this chapter here because you only got 33 chapters to do, 34 chapters to Deuteronomy. So they're ready to cross the land. God's killed off all the rebellion. And here in Chapter 30. All right, where shall I go? Verse 11. For this commandment, which this is repeated in Romans 10. For this commandment, which I commanded this day, is not hidden from thee, neither is it far off. Where is it? It's in their heart. They're believers. It is not in heaven that thou shouldest say, Who shall go up for us to heaven and bring unto us that we may hear it and do it? You don't have to go to heaven. That's what Romans, the 10th chapter says. Neither is it beyond the sea that thou shouldest say, Who shall go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very nigh unto thee in thy mouth, and you can say the word of faith. is by confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus, agreeing with him on everything he said, that you have to agonize over sin, you have to repent, you have to confess, you have to humble yourself under the hand of God. It is in thy mouth and in thy heart that thou mayest do it. How many times have I read that God has written it in your heart. Well, let's look at it just to verify it. Second Corinthians, the third chapter. And who writes in the heart? Who does the writing? Do you do the writing by your free will? No. 
Nobody's going to write the word of God in their heart. There's none that understandeth, and none seeks after God, and they don't like it. Go over to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter. This goes with the word of faith. 2 Corinthians, third chapter. Verse 2, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Men are reading your life. For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, set the, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. And he says the same thing in Hebrews 8 and Hebrews 10. He says in Hebrews 8, this goes with the word of faith. You need to understand that. Hebrews 8, verse 10, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After these days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And he says the same thing over here in the 10th chapter of Hebrews. This is the covenant, verse 16, that I will make with them. Saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts, and their minds will I write them. So when you're talking about, you don't have to go up to heaven, it's in your heart. Open your mouth and you will speak the truth of God's word. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy 30. The word in verse 14, the word is nigh thee in thy mouth and thy heart that thou mayest do it. You have to do it to confess it. Don't we say that? The Bible says some men profess, homo same word as confess, some men profess that they know God, Titus 1.16, but in works they deny him. They're antichrist by what they do. Whosoever denieth Christ is antichrist. means to contradict. If it's in your heart, it needs to come out your mouth. Somewhere in your life, it will. Verse 15. Say, I have set thee before thee this day, life and good and death and evil. This is verse 15 of Deuteronomy 30. In that I command thee this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply. Now remember, he's only talking to believers here. He's killed off all the unbelief in Israel. But they're going to fall away pretty quick. That thou mayest live and multiply and the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whither thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, it's written in your heart. And if you turn away from God, that's called rebellion. So that thou wilt not hear, hear and obey the same word in the Hebrew. Shama, S-H-A-M-A. You will not obey, but be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall perish, and ye shall not prolong your days upon the land. The Bible says, Our mother is a tree of life, and she says length of days, and, and long life is in her hand. And our mother, the tree of life, is a tree 
It's the same thing as our mother there in Proverbs 4. Whether thou shalt pass over Jordan to possess it, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, believing Israel. He's not talking to unbelievers. Blessing and cursing. Therefore, and people use this phrase right here to say, see, you can choose to be saved or not to be saved. These are all believers here. Therefore, choose life. It's the same thing when I stand up here in the pulpit and I say, choose to live righteously. It's not something you choose. It's something God's choosing in you. Because you can't choose to do right unless he deals with your heart, can you? All scriptures goes together. And besides that, he's talking only to believers here. Therefore choose life that thou thou and thy seed may live. Thou mayest love the Lord thy God. He's talking to believers. I'll give you something that's kind of associated with it. In the book of Joshua, go to the end of Joshua. Now Joshua was going into the land with a bunch of believing Jews, a bunch of believing Israelites, and he tells them over here in this 24th chapter of Joshua. He's about to go into the land. This is the last chapter of Joshua. When he goes into the land, he's going to go in there, and they're going to be Hittites and Perizzites and Jebusites. All the ites are going to be there, and they got a bunch of sun and tree gods. And people quote this to say, see, there's free will there. This doesn't even say what people say it says. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. He's talking to believing Israel. They're about to go in and possess the land. He's not going to let unbelievers go in. But some of them start believing, unbelieving pretty quick. And serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. On the other side of the flood he's referring to is that big flood of the sea, the Red Sea opening up. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day. It doesn't mean if you're an unbeliever, you get to choose. Choose you this day. It just means select. It's the word bakar, B-A-C-H-A-R. Choose you this day whom you will serve. And notice the choice he gives them. He doesn't give them the choice between God and evil gods. He gives them the choice between evil gods and evil gods. That's what he gives them. And nobody ever quotes this saying it the way it is. You can't use this as a choose eternal life and choose to be saved. That's not what he's talking about. He said, if it seems evil to you to serve God... Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood are the gods of the Amorites. Which evil god are you going to choose to serve? And whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. So his choice is not between good and evil. It was between evil and evil. How much time do I have, Mike? I'm not getting into all the things I wanted to get into. So can you see, go back to Romans 10. Can you see what this is talking about? It's in your heart. It's been written in your heart. You don't have to go out somewhere out in the world and find Jesus. He is with you every day if you're a believer. And the problem with being a believer, you also got unbelief in you, don't you? That's the outer man. You got the outer man, which serves self or the law of the flesh. Got the inner man, which is Christ in you. And the inner man is say, kill off self. And it's take two witnesses to do that. And what are the two witnesses? The priest and the king. The priest is self, death to self. And the inner man is the king. And he pronounces righteous judgment, righteous judgment and says self has to die. And self has to die. Has to die. I had a guy. I had a lady. We got a lady here. And her ex-husband said, I need to write a book on blood baptism. She said, you don't know nothing about that. He said, what do you mean I don't know anything about blood baptism, which is the death of self? She just said, right there. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's funny. What do you mean I can't die to self? Well, you're just showing you don't believe in it. (laughs) I think that's funny. If you're going to lose your temper, you have no business talking about blood baptism to anybody. Blood baptism is death to self. That's what it is. Now, let's go back over there to Romans 10. This is a doctrine of the charismatics. They talk about you can have a hundredfold of everything, uh, houses and lands with persecution. You guys leave that out. That word persecution, dioko, D-I-O-K-O, means to be pursued by the enemy. You have to be pursued if you get houses and lands and mothers and fathers, which is going to be heavenly Jerusalem, all your family and the church. It's not what people say. You don't need to be writing or preaching about something that you're not practicing. Now, now let's go back over here to Romans 10. Now, I want to just read this again. In verse 6, righteousness, which is of faith, what is righteousness? Dikaiosune, doing right, comes from dk, d-i-k-a-i-o-s-u-n-e. It means doing right talks. That's what it says. Doing right speaketh. Let me just give you this again. Titus one sixteen. Titus 1.16 Some men profess 
that they know God. But that's the same word homologeo, the same word as confess. Homologeo. Homologeo means of the same word. It means to agree with. But the Bible turns around and says in Titus 1.16, Some men confess with their mouth that they know God, but in works, what they do denies God. If you're not doing what God says, you're losing your temper a lot. What you do has to confess. You have to be gentle and kind and tender-hearted towards believers. Well, I'll be that. I'll be tender-hearted to them if they'll behave themselves. The Bible doesn't say if they behave themselves. Be tender-hearted to them. Be gentle and kind and meek. Some people are growing, and it takes a long time to grow out of that insecurity that they grew up in all their life, thinking that they were nobody. You ever felt like that? will join the club. Me too. I used to feel like, if you tell me I was going to teach from the Greek text when I was 80 years old, I'd, if you told me that when I was 20 or 25, I'd say, you're nuts. I will never be teaching from the Greek. I was terrified to give a book report when I was in high school. Scared me to death. I can remember one I don't know what grade I got on, but I never gave another one. I couldn't stand it to be in front of the class. I wish I could go back and give book reports now. I say, it's going to take me about four hours to get started. <laughs> you, you know what I found out? I found out who I was. That's what really made me brave and bold. I found out that I was one of God's elect, one of his predestinated elect family. That gave me more strength than anything else. And when people come here looking for this truth, nope. I tell people on the phone when they talk about coming here, I said, and they come about visiting us, I said, nobody comes to grace and truth looking for a church. They don't come, well, we'll try this place out. Maybe I've had one or two come like that, and then they hear me preach and, we don't like that. I had a couple wandering here recently and, and started talking to somebody about demons out here and said, y'all don't believe in demons? I think it's talking to you, wasn't it? I said, no, demons are self. And they said, we're out of here. And they got up and walked out. <laughs> it's funny. Now look here in Romans. What did I say was going to... Huh? Look at where? Oh, Titus one sixteen. Some men profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him. If you're not working for Christ, not opening your mouth because it's in your heart, Dave will talk about how he wrestles with the flesh. I'll tell you one thing he does. He is not afraid of anybody. Are you? Nobody. (laughs) He calls the Billy Graham hotline. 
and says, the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And they hang up on him or something. <laughs> He'll call him once in a while and say different things like that. You can't accept Christ as your personal Savior. The Bible says so. They'll hang up. It takes a long time to wrestle away from this guy, this outer man. Some men profess they know God, but in works they deny him. Being an abominable, being stinking to God's nostrils, if they won't do what he says, that's a wrestling match, isn't it? Disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. The reason they don't want to do what God says is their adokimos. Dokimos means to test or try in a fire. Test or try. And the alpha privative negates the word and gives an opposite meaning. It means no fire. They don't like the fire. It's why they won't confess. And people, a lot of people have come here that don't like the fire. Right? You got to, instead of walking away after three years, start praying, God, give me the guts and the grace to say the truth and to do it. You will overcome that outer man in time. He doesn't go away all of a sudden. There's nothing more uncomfortable than living in the flesh because you can't satisfy it, can you? You're always getting angry at the world. I always tell Dave, don't get angry at them. God made them that way. He made them vessels of wrath. They have to go to hell one day when they die. Remember that. When you're out there in the public, somebody cheats you or lies to you, remember, if they're a vessel of wrath fitted for destruction, they got no hope. And God made them the way they are. If they're to be corrected, God will correct them if they belong to him, and he'll beat them half to death. He'll scourge every son he receives. You don't have to fix them. I've got so much more to say on this. Do I have any time, Mike? Three minutes. Three minutes. I've got some notes here I just hadn't had time to get to. I've been trying to finish up the series. I know you can't ever finish the series on on the charismatics. They ain't no finishing them. They have perverted and twisted the Word of God all to pieces. I believe most of those preachers, I don't know of any of them, I believe is, going, is a believer. I believe Jesse Duplantis will be in hell one day. I believe Kenneth Copeland will be in hell. I believe Creflo Dollar, that guy is a clown. <laughs> Saying, come on money, come on money, and people running down there throwing money at this altar. Did you know that the Bible says, warn you that are rich, Creflo, for you have your consolation, you've got your comfort. I'm, I'm tired of the charismatics. They make my life more miserable. The Baptists make my life miserable, too. They're so parallel to the truth. They're not the Baptist of the. They're not the Baptist of 1850, at all. I'm going to quit right here. I got more. I got many notes on these charismatic people thinking they can ask God and get what they ask for, 
or they can give God something and he's supposed to give it back to them a hundredfold. That's not what the Bible's teaching. I don't know how these people... I must be the talk of those people because we're on TV in Tulsa. That's where Old Roberts University is. That's where Kenneth Hagin Institute is. We're on down in Texas. And you've got all those people all over Fort Worth and Dallas. T.D. Jakes is in Dallas and we're on TV in Dallas. I hope he can see us. He just, he's a crazy man. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll come back and resume this because I've got many things to say about this. You can't give God to get. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. Lord, help us in everything we do to follow you in truth and confess you by our deeds. The world is not going to like us. We know that. They're going to give us a hard time. And Lord, there's some growing believers that are babies in Christ and they're going to give us a hard time. Teach us to be patient with them as they grow. Let us cheer like family. God, I am so tired. Help me. Give me strength to continue. We'll give you praise for everything in Christ's name. Amen. And fight our battles. And all the things up I get to ask you for. He know he knows who we have needed. On the on the screen, but that was sort of like what you were talking about with the Joshua. These are the Philistines over here. This may be David's. That's the conquest of the land when they crossed. In the first place they stopped at Gilgal or AI. Oh. I thought it was Joshua's thing with Joshua going into the... Uh... Yeah, he, he came in here and he's going around the land, but he wasn't driving all the pagans out. He just let them stay there. So he, he'd like take a picture and put it on... And somehow, I'll ask Jesse. Well, let me, let me think about that. I don't know that I need that one. Uh, well, this, I need... This one's the, that one that with the... I don't want to just put every picture up there. Pictures that are really important to me that I can use to. Yeah. I want to hear what you. I want to hear what that guy says to you. When he, if you talk to him, he hit the gas hard. Huh? He didn't slow down today when he came through there today. Did you see him? Yeah, he hit the gas. Oh, he ain't going to stop since you told him Christmas was pagan. It's just like Holler at him and hand him a, a track. I can't believe how he, he sort of wanted not to even recognize. Didn't, didn't slow down.